Hi, I'm JP. And I'm Adam. I've never seen Lost. I have. I'm told that it's good. I liked it. I'm told that it made sense. Sort of. But we're watching it out of order. So it definitely won't make sense. But it might still be good. Since we won't expect it to make sense, we'll still be able to appreciate each episode on its own merits as a one-hour story. Sometimes two or three. As opposed to just a fraction of an ongoing, sprawling, and increasingly complex tangle of relationships, personal stories, mysteries, mythologies, experiments, social dynamics, unnatural disasters, unanswered questions, and hot tropical hookups. Are you okay? I'm not sure. Because you lost me a little bit there at the end. Well, good, because I've been lost since the beginning. We're, We're lost, lost on Lost. Welcome everybody to Lost on Lost, The Lost Effect. I am Adam Busher and I'm his best friend and he's my very good friend. Say hi as always to JP Russell. Great. Now I have to I have to rewrite my recap because I made that same joke. <laughs> You shit. Uh, I suppose low-hanging fruit. I should have yeah, seen that one coming. That's a, that's a, I mean, that was not my first joke, and I didn't like... I was like, my that first joke's too cheap. I needed something a little bit better, and I was like, but not that much better. <laughs> I thought that was perfect, personally. JP. Yeah. It's the last episode of The Lost Effect. Holy hell. Where did the time go? Time is, yeah, like sands through the hourglass and all that. This is our seventh episode of The Lost Effect. Mm -hmm. We've covered several pilots, and then we did one episode where we talked about Nash Bridges and Briscoe County. (laughs) 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 We've learned a lot. We've grown. um, Have we? (laughs) Hypothetically or allegedly. Um, I I have a growth, but I don't know if that's a good thing. But yeah, we talked a lot about pilots um, the past few weeks, you know, comparing them to Lost, how they may have uh, inspired Lost or been inspired by Lost. Uh, this is the culmination here. Yeah. We're, we're about to talk about uh, Severance, the pilot of Severance. Good news about hell. Yeah. But before we get started, uh, we want to introduce our guest. Yeah. We here on Lost on Lost want to welcome everybody to the first host optional episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Lost on Lost Faithful, Jack Kelly. Hi. Very excited to be here. I'm fully prepared to turn this into a severance podcast. Yeah, I'm just turning my mic off now. <laughs> I'm fully prepared. Okay, I, I need you guys here because I need people to bounce off of. That's, yes. But okay. I'm, I'm the host of this podcast now. Sounds good. <laughs> Refresh everybody, Jack, on your uh, depth and breadth of knowledge of the television show Severance. Oh God, what what do you want me to say? Felt like my question was pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> you you uh, you had a very interesting way of watching these episodes when they first aired. Oh, Jack, can you yes. can you talk a little bit about that? I can absolutely talk about that. So when this show started, I think they dropped maybe the first two or first three episodes at once. I think it was three. I think it was three. And so I watched them and was like, holy shit, this show is incredible. Yeah. And then the fourth episode dropped. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, that's amazing. I'm going to rewatch everything. And now also the fourth episode. And then I kept doing that for every new episode is that I would I would rewatch all of the new episodes. Or I'd rewatch like one through whatever the last episode. And then I would watch the newest episode. And then I would re I actually then rewatch that episode and then restart it again mm-hmm. from the beginning. So I've seen this pilot so many times. Um because I would we, we call that the twelve days of Christmas. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, because I think I watched the f- I think I watched the full like I wouldn't just watch it like one time through after the new episode dropped. I'd watch it at least two or three times in a week. Mm-hmm. So sure. I think I've I think I've seen this pilot like upwards of like 25 times so um which is like uh, when i'm obsessed with a show that's like a low end (laughs) of me seeing an episode jack you don't you don't hyper fixate do you no i definitely don't have undiagnosed adhd oh okay good good. at all (laughs) yeah jp you got a recap for us i do (laughs) let's do it here we go. A job that I can literally disconnect from and have zero memory of? Where the fuck do I sign up? 
<laughs> Mark Scout works at an eerie conglomerate called Lumen Industries. When Mark checks into work, his memories are separated into his work and those of his everyday life. Hey, Mark, can you remember where you parked your car? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> In this episode, we explore the mysterious Lumen Industries as well as Mark's personal life, creating a dichotomy as complex as Mark's mind. Things really get confusing when Mark's co-worker Petey shows up in Mark's personal life with his work mind seemingly intact. Maybe Petey knows if it's garbage day or if it's recycling day. Let's get into <laughs> severance. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's talk about it, right? Yeah. The Good News About Hell originally aired on February 18th, 2022. It was written by Dan Erickson and directed by Ben Stiller. Dan Erickson got his start on the now-defunct Spike TV's lip-sync battle. Oh, Christ. Then did some other <laughs> stuff. Then did Severance. This is his first show, though. Like, this is yeah. his first, like, showrunner created show. showrunner really? show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Motherfucker came out the gate with this? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Talk about peaking early. Talk about peaking instantly. <laughs> Um, and then Ben Stiller directed the uh, directed the show. He directed the Cable Guy, which is better than people remember, but still not great. <laughs> I always forget that he directed that. Yeah, directed and starred. He does that a lot. He he did that with uh, Reality Bites, like you know, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Man, being a Nepo baby's got to be nice. Oh, dude, it's so sweet. Mm. Uh, I imagine. <laughs> so where do we want to start? Holy hell! That's the question. That's the question. Where to begin? So my my problem is is that I mean we could do a scene by scene breakdown of this. We could also talk for four hours just about vibes. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's just go. I'm open to both. I'm open to both. We could do both. Let's go scene let's by scene. Let's do both. What else do you guys have going on today? I'm technically at work. <laughs> Te- technically, technically. Um, let's let's go scene by scene, and we will embrace vibes as they come along. All right. Severin starts the way all of my work days start: crying in the car. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it open on the in the boardroom yeah it does it opens oh, with it, does. it opens with heli like kind of like or this woman i'll say oh this red-haired woman splayed out like on or she's like she's she looks like she was just like dropped right. on the table yeah, and so literally. and so she's in this boardroom alone and this voice comes from a speaker and um and asks her like who are you and she can't answer the question she can't really answer any of the questions except for name a state any state and she goes i don't know <laughs> delaware listen hot take delaware is not really a state it's not it's barely a state it's three credit card companies in a trench coat <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, uh save it for the capitalism podcast um the, I would say for me the most heartbreaking question of them all that you're like oh this is a real fucked up scenario is um, what are the what are or were the color of your mother's eyes and you're like <sighs> and she can't answer the question and you're like what is happening yeah that, that's when this went from oh, this could be wacky to oh no <laughs> It's also Britt Lauer's like hundred yard stare that she has when he asks yeah. the question. Cause then like she doesn't answer it. And then very soon after the door opens and there's a figure standing in the doorway, which like we all know is Adam Scott <laughs> standing in the doorway and just That's like a perfect score. That's a perfect score. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> what is Adam Scott like known for? What's like Parks and Rec? Parks and Rec. Oh, so I've never watched Parks and yeah, Rec. Party, Party Down. Down. Yeah, Party Down was, oh, I would say okay. his like breakout role. Yeah, probably. Because then from there, he went to, that's where like his TV stuff got started. Um, yeah. He was in Step Brothers. Oh, gotcha. That's one of the things I know him from. Yeah, he's, he's. I would say for the most He's a UCB part, guy from back in the day, I think. But he's known for comedy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, he did do, he was in Big Little Lies as well. And that was like okay. his yeah. first like really like high profile drama role that everyone was like, oh my God. But he was also kind of a comic relief character at times. Like he always had like this salty, sassy sure, right, sure. line right. and quip, whatever. Yeah. And so like this, he's just, you know, we have that first intro and then we got to him just like sobbing in his car. Like we don't I want to talk about vibes real quick. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. The, the boardroom. <laughs> like the, the first shot. So the the whole thing at Lumon is the 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 retro futuristic thing. Mm-hmm. Like right. it's obviously 2022. It's set in the present, but everything there has this vibe of like the 70s. 70s exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I dig it. <laughs> but the, the vibe specifically I want to talk about is how Heli wakes up on the thing and you've got this this shot with the carpet and everything's really square and angular and 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 then she in this She's got this elegant business look to her, you know, the nude heels, the blue on blue, with the skirt, the blouse. Um, I'm terrified of drowning. However, I would absolutely drown in her eyes. Um, <laughs> like you mentioned the thousand yard stare. Uh, I, I, I have to, I, I normally watch shows with the captions on, but I had to have them on because whenever I looked into her eyes, I went deaf. Um, I could, yeah. So the visually... They set a tone immediately with the boardroom shot and then with her, the way she's dressed, the colors of the carpet, the angles, the, it, like, and, and yeah, like you said, JP, maybe it's wacky, but then I think there's also that stark sterility to it that is like, sure, really, yeah, it really sets the tone just from the jump and creating a visual style in a millisecond is not something everybody, any director can do. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I really appreciated that, the, especially the opening shot from the top down, you had time to focus on the weird two-tone, like green-yellow pattern of the carpet mm -hmm. so that when he walks into the lobby of the building and it has that same carpet, it's like, okay, we understand this is the same space. Yeah. You know, it, both the shots were long enough where you had time to like notice it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, I, there hasn't been a pilot that I can remember that has used literally every aspect of the viewing experience to create the tone is so completely the way that this pilot did from costuming to the set interior set design to the exterior location shooting, um, to the music, to the casting. I think one of the reasons, and we can talk about this at the end, that's one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much um, because of how complete it is. So Nodding is really great for podcasts. I agreed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, this is a podcast? Mark's, yeah, so, Mark, so Mark's crying in his car. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been there. I was there today. I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> I've done that. It's funny because he, he sits in his car and he cries. Um, it's uh, sad, obviously, but it's also funny because he like looks at his watch and he's like, oh, it's time to go in. And so like he stops crying and goes to work. Yeah, yeah. this was my crying time. Yeah. Well, and it's like gross crying. Yeah. It's not like... Uh, it's he does bad. the cry, that crying that turns into a cough because you're not really breathing. Like Yeah, it's like gross, snotty crying and like wipes his face with like like the napkins that are just like in his car. And it's just like... That's what those are there for. Man, this guy is just like, he is depressed. Yeah. And then he has to go into work. Yeah. Like, you know, this is not the first time he's done this. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, this is at the very least a biweekly occurrence. <laughs> like, he is doing this at least twice a week. Yeah. But yeah, so like crying time's over. Time to buckle down, nose to the grindstone, heads into the building. Cold. There's that cold, that crisp coldness. And this is one thing I think that's very, very cool about things that do shoot in winter. When the sun's out and the snow's out, and you you, you both experience this being fellow Midwesterners, when the sun is out and it's 30 degrees outside, mm -hmm. for some reason, the sun makes the air feel colder because, yeah. because of how bright and sterile the white snow and the ice and the water and it's just like you you can see it because you, you see what you're missing because you know you know sun means heat you know a better life is out yeah. there and, and <laughs> it's just not it. here right you can now see it above you and the heat is just not reaching you and it just makes you feel that much colder and, all, and that, that walk from the car to the building was filled with that oh sense. god yeah. I, and I know, I've, I know I've, those fucking Australians are enjoying summer or whatever the <laughs> fuck and I'm like you know what they get all the spiders and the fucking snakes and shit fuck them fuck them <sighs> I'm freezing my ass off over here. But yeah, so so Mark, he gets inside and he checks in to the front desk and then he goes even further into the building and then he's he comes to a locker where he, he does then, a full Mr. Rogers. Yeah, where he has to he takes off his coat, hangs yeah. up his coat. Yeah. He takes off he swaps out his shoes, which yeah. you're like, well, that's weird. You were already wearing like nice. No, he was he was wearing winter boots. Oh, he's wearing winter yeah. boots. Yeah, so, 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 like, so you're yeah. like you're yeah. like okay, this. Is, but then he swaps out his watch. Yeah. yeah, and you're like and you're like okay, that's a that's a very inoffensive watch that you yeah. are wearing. Right, it's actually pretty nice. It's a nice watch, yeah. but he swaps it out for one that has no markings on it no. whatsoever. Um and it and it, it's like and it's there's no brand on it, there's no markings on it. There's just it is so nondescript yeah. that it's like 
eerie. The watch's character is that it is characterless. Yeah. And the costume department actually talked about, like, that's a very specific, like, Japanese watch that they found that had just no characteristics on it. But it took them a very long time to find a watch that was right for Mark to wear. If it had less characteristics, it would not tell time. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, or it just wouldn't exist. Like yeah. it just yeah. literally would just not, the watch wouldn't exist if yeah. it had less characteristics. And so he puts on the watch and then he checks in at a second desk and he gets into an elevator. He he, also, he trades his key card also, which yes. his, his, his outside key card has his name and his face on it. He mm-hmm. trades it for a key card that's just blue with little Lumon logo. On yes. It. And then yeah. he gets in the elevator and then goes down. The shot of the ride of the elevator down has JP, you will probably be able to name what this film technique is. The vertigo shot. As he passes the point in the elevator shaft where he goes from, and we're going to use terminology from later, um, from Audi to Innie. <laughs> That's what they call them. It's very fun. They're, they're out. Yeah, they're outside. You don't know this yet in the show, but like they're outside persona. They, they colloquially call the Audis and then, when they are working on the severed floor, they're called innies. Yep. Oh, I like it. Yeah. That's good. And so he, 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 Mark is one of the member of the severed floor. His outside life is partitioned from his inside life. And so he does not remember crying in the car, being desperately sad. He's arriving at work, but not really because he never leaves work technically. Every day at the end of his workday, he rides an elevator up. And then the next thing he remembers is being in the same elevator is changing direction. <laughs> Yeah, the elevator right. door is just opening and closing is just all he remembers. Yep. Like as as we're like talking about sort of like the science or the, you know, the rules of this universe. I'm like, you know, I joked around it about it in my intro. I'm like, man, the part of me that's never at work, I just like drive to and from work and I don't have to experience it. That's great. There's a part of me that's trapped in an eternal work. Yes. Yeah. And I yeah. feel that. <laughs> we, yeah. we can talk about that at not dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Can't yeah. wait for not dinner. <laughs> the the music you already mentioned once, Jack, but the music fucking rules in this show is mm-hmm. so oh good. There's this very simple, very stark piano, and uh, oh my god, so good. Because Mark starts, wa- he leaves the elevator and he starts walking down the hallways. Mm-hmm. Oh my of god, the severed floor, and it's like you should, if y'all get a chance, you should see like the the layout of the severed floor mm-hmm. and all the hallways they built for this. I'm trying to keep track i'm like is he just going in like because he doesn't go like in a, a circle pattern? yeah no he, he doesn't Mm-mm. it's massive yeah and so they built this whole giant like maze of hallways for him to just go down and you're like this is such a long shot yeah. of him just walking down the hallway and it's literally like nothing is wrong no. nothing is wrong and as you're watching you're like that's a that's the same man I just fucking saw crying in his car, he, but that's a different man. He, in fact, reaches into the pocket of his pants and finds a damp tissue. He is confused as to why it is there and throws it away as he's walking to his office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a little bit of a cough, you know, yeah. and he's like, oh, man, my sinuses are fucked up. You know, like one, because <laughs> he's probably a little hungover, but two, because he just was open mouth sobbing. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a moment later where a different character even says being like, oh, you look hungover. You look like shit. <laughs> And just no, and he just is like, he's like, hmm? and no concept of what a hangover is. No, yeah. He arrives at his department, macro data refinement. I love them so much. <laughs> I a little bit later on, they sort of they sort of explain what macro data refinement is. Honestly, I think I'd be really good at that job. Um, <laughs> I Adam, I, I hate to tell you this, um, we already do. We already that do job. that job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's already our job. <laughs> sort of our job already. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, the, the, the place looks empty, but he's actually the second one there. He like mm-hmm. sort of like well, he might even actually be the third one there. He sits down, and then you hear one of his coworkers, Dylan. Mm-hmm. We don't find out his name right away, but it's Dylan, played by Zach Cherry, who's so funny and so delightful. I, I you you learn to love Dylan. You do when you do. when you meet Dylan. You hate him. <laughs> Man, because Dylan is... He's a tryhard. He's a tryhard. He's the person who needs to be employee of the month every month and is like... And that's like... He's kind of a kiss ass because mm-hmm. he just like wants to do the job the best. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily... Like because he wants the perks. Like right. not sure. because he loves the job. No. That's a different person that yeah. Mark works with. <laughs> um, but yeah, you do learn to love 
Dylan. So JP, I wouldn't be surprised if you are not a fan of Dylan in this episode. I'd say I was indifferent. Mm. That's like, uh, I didn't dislike him. I didn't really like him. He was- We've all had a coworker like that. Yeah. Like- It's fine. Yeah. You're like, okay, like you don't make work miserable, but I also, I'm not going to go out of my way to talk to you. <laughs> right. Right. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But like, but he also walks into this office and it's not like a normal office either because he Huge. walks in and it's an enormous <laughs> room. It's like a, it's like a, f- like it's a fucking hall they're basically yeah. in. Like it's huge but there are four cubicles that are all connected to one another on like a central point in the center of the room and nothing else and it's just like this green carpet white walls white ceiling stark lighting and that's it they have a break room like they have their little like coffee right. yeah, kitchen like kitchen off to the off side, to the side yeah. um, but it feels like the concept of like the back rooms i don't know if y'all are yes, familiar with the yeah, I am, it's, yeah it's just like total back rooms vibe where it's like s- someone designed this because they thought this is what a space should look like <laughs> but they don't understand what a space should be yeah i feel like it's uh, this is the size of the room somehow is an, an attempt to combat the claustrophobia that I think people might feel if they were to work in there. Like, it's funny because I don't, they always just call it the severed floor, right? Mm-hmm. They don't ever refer to it as the basement of Lumon Industries, or do they? Well, we don't know if it's an actual, we don't know if it's the basement. Well, and that's the, that's the thing. It's like, could the, it be upstairs? The innies have no concept of spatially where they don't understand that they may be like deep underground. Yeah, because no, they, they have no concept of outside. No, and there's no windows. Right. God forbid! So, don't like, give these do you, people a window. Yeah, so it, it's oh, it's wild. Yeah. Um, a, th- a third coworker is here, also Irv uh, John Turturro. Oh, fuck! <sighs> I love John Turturro. He's so good. So good. He's so good. John Turturro is just so he plays Irv, who's like, who is like, he is a true believer of Absolutely. Lumen Industries and specifically Kier Egan, who is the he's the founder of Lumen, mm-hmm. and so like he, he, he was the face on the wall, the Stalin esque fucking portrait in the lobby. Of yeah, the- yeah, 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 yeah. And so you know he's the true believer. So like he gets his work done, but it's because he truly believes in the cultish beliefs of Lumen, whereas no. Dylan is there for the finger traps yeah. and the waffle party. And it, it like Irv is honestly very like Soviet socialism. So he's, he's very yeah. Stalin-esque in mm-hmm. his yeah. The the work needs to be done, and if you are ever distracted by anything, what you should be do you should be reminded to keep your mind in your labor, and then it'll all be fine. And praise Kier. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mark's just like, I'm happy to be here. I'm yeah. happy to see my friends. I'm happy right. to, to do my job. And yep. this job is is great. I'm, I'm here to see my best work friend, Petey. Mm-hmm. Oh, Petey's not here today. Petey ain't going to be in today. It's not the first time he hasn't been here. No. It's all right. You know, and sometimes people don't come to work. It's okay. It is a bummer when your work spouse doesn't show up. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Milchick rolls in. Played by uh, Tramel Tillman. Yeah. Who's wonderful and has not been in like anything. I was lamenting to Adam before we started recording that I'm like, I looked at his IMDb and I'm like, he hasn't been in enough stuff for me to like go watch him do other parts. Yeah. And so this Let's is- get him on the podcast. Do you think he'll join? <laughs> I mean, honestly- but like he's he's so good and yeah. like Milchek is the like the he's like the enforcer of the floor kind of yeah. he's like the number two style. yeah he's like the he's he's their supervisor yeah. really and he's he's the, he's the type of supervisor that supervises several unrelated departments yes yeah. It's like, like if PD was the department chief of MDR, he's like middle management. There's that the, the level above him that's not the C-suite, you know, mm-hmm. and that's Milchik. But so, yeah, Milchik's all about, you know, making sure the rules get followed. So that's what he's here. Uh, macro data refinement, even when days PD's gone, needs a department chief. He comes to get Mark and Mark assumes it's so that he can just fill in for PD mm-hmm. until right. PD comes back. Yeah. Yeah. So Milchek brings him to Harmony Cobell's office, played by Patricia Arquette. And he's like, as they're walking, as he's walking, it's like, make sure you, they moved her to a new office. So make sure you compliment her (laughs) on her new office. She'd really appreciate a compliment. Mark gets in there and be like, oh, I love the new office. She's like, oh, it's awful. Being like, yeah, it totally is. It's the comedy of this. You know, I haven't seen the show, but this episode, it's so good. But if you're not actively paying attention, you are going to miss it. Yeah. But it's a very like it, this episode is very funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's phenomenal. In such an intelligent way that I really appreciate. Like it's it's not for yucks. It's it's like Edgar Wright's style of comedy where it's like, no, you have to be paying attention to fucking appreciate right. how goddamn funny this is. Right. Yeah, it's really satirical. Yeah. Like it's, it's really yeah. satirical comedy. Like uh, your supervisor telling you to compliment your boss on her new office <laughs> is like a thing that everyone's kind of gone through in right. some way, shape, or form. And then you get in there and she's just like I just want to complain about it. It's it's the coworker haircut, which I do all the time. It's something that I've learned, and I, I if people don't do this, this is my you know free free advice to you. When you notice that your coworker has gotten a haircut, be like, oh, I see you got your haircut. How do you like it? See what they say. Respond in kind. I don't know. It's kind of crooked. Well, I think it'll grow out. Or I love it. It looks great on you. <laughs> Very simple. <laughs> Hey, Miss Colbell, I see you got a new office. How do you feel about it? Man, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. He's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, terrible. No, I always do the opposite. I'm like, are you pregnant? They're like, no, something's different. Haircut? That's it. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, yeah, so the Marxist down, uh, Miss Colbell. Uh, is it Miss Colbell or Mrs. Colbell? Miss Colbell. Miss Colbell, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, PD's no longer with the company. You're being promoted. The board is joining us remotely. She pulls out a speaker <laughs> similar to the one we saw, sets it down on the thing. We hear a little bit of static, and then she goes through the whole thing. Gives Mark the skinny. You know, you're the department chief now. He he gets an ID card identical <laughs> to his current D- ID card, which is it? might yes. be the hardest I laughed. Yes. I don't know if it's identical. It's identical. I don't think it's identical. It's It's just less worn. Is that is that why Mark notices the difference between the two yes. of them when he puts yeah, it yeah. in? It's just that it's newer? <laughs> okay. Yes. Because I was like, yes, it is identical, but there's something different about it that Mark notices later when he leaves work. Yeah. It's just, it's it just doesn't newer. have like, the edges rubbed <laughs> gotcha. on it. Okay. Yeah. And so he's now like, and so his best work friend mm-hmm. is no longer at the company. And that's a bit of a shock mm-hmm. for Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't quite know what to do with himself. Um, But he's the new department head, I guess. (laughs) And his first responsibility is giving the the orientation survey to P's replacement. Or technically Mark's replacement, since Mark has been promoted. Helly's coming to replace Mark. Right, right, right. But you can tell he's jazzed about it. He's like, oh, no, I can handle this. Like, hell yeah. A promotion? This is great. Hell yeah. They're like, you know, can you handle this? He's like, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, they... They go to this small room, and I say they because that's Mark and Irv, because mm-hmm. um, Irv has to basically supervise because he's he's mm-hmm. the old guard. He's the one that's been right. there the he's longest. Seen it done. Mm-hmm. And so he's training Mark on how to do the the, um, the orientation. Yep. And um, and of course now we're seeing it from Mark's perspective, and it's like it's like a choose your own adventure yeah. book. It's a fucking yeah. binder with like if they say this, turn to page twelve. If they say this, turn to page fourteen. Yeah, and so you see Mark actually like kind of panicking during yeah. this because he has never done this before. But we've heard him earlier, mm-hmm. and so like he is talking to a hostile audience. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she, apparently she should not be freaking out. Like Irv makes mention of like that nobody ever acts like this. Like why is, why is Hilly so it's out of the ordinary for her to be behaving the way she does. Yeah. And it's and so he eventually like he goes and says like you got a perfect score and like goes in and like sits with her mm-hmm. and is like okay we're gonna go over more things and she's like I would like to go now please like there's a moment in which he like he's having a conversation with her just talking to her trying to like calm her down or something like that but like he goes back to the book to like go back to the script and she throws the speaker at him and yeah. It's yeah. just yucks it at him <laughs> that was such a good one. just like Ugh! I mean, it's all she's got yeah you know yeah and so eventually because she is now she gets to a point where she's asked twice to leave mm-hmm. that he's like ask me one more time to leave it is and in she, the binder yeah it is in the binder times. and so that's when she goes i would like to go now please and he goes okay i'm so sorry that this didn't work out for you um i guess i let's you know, get you out of here let's get you out of here with the thumb <laughs> with the with the like choose your own adventure thing it's like if we're lo- like looking deep into the lore of this space like this has been done so many times mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. know every conceivable combination of things that people could say yeah you know what i mean yeah. The only variable that they haven't accounted for is somebody as hostile as Helly was. Right. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. interesting. So they, so Mark walks her to this hallway where there's a, an exit sign and a door and he goes, okay, you can leave. And she's like, are you not following me? He's like, I'm not allowed to, not watch. Allowed to watch. And so he waits around the corner while she exits, but then is immediately comes back into the space. And, and I wrote right. a joke here. Um, 
he he's not allowed to watch her leave, but he loves to watch her walk away um, <laughs> or something. Like I, I, I didn't have time to f- uh, polish it. Um, Let's go with the or something. <laughs> Or something, yes. Um, but she, but you can see, like, in the window of the door it's that the there's stairwells. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it is a place. Like, it's not just like a weird, but we just keep seeing she opens the door and then she's immediately turned back around. From her point of view. From her point of view, that she's still in the hallway and she just, she, like, can't figure out why she, mm-hmm. why she's just not in the stairwell. Yeah. And it's so baffling. And she's like, what the fuck is happening? It's like walking into an Ikea, you know, you ever, you ever try to take one of the shortcuts in Ikea and you yeah. just like walk through one of those little hallways and then you have, you're just like, I'm back where I started. What's happening? From Mark's point of view, the, her exiting is not instantaneous. He doesn't look. We just have a, we have this cool shot of him up against the wall, down the hallway to the end of the thing. Hell, he goes through the door, sit, 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 a couple seconds, minutes, whatever, come, and then she comes back in. So for Mark inside... It's not instantaneous for her. Mm-hmm. Right. Trying it's to leave, it right. is instant. Which tells us what is happening on the severed yeah, how the, floor. How the Innie's experience leaving and arriving at work. Uh, it's just right. the thing that I, I deeply appreciate about this pilot especially is that they do such a good job of introducing you to the rules mm-hmm. of the severance floor mm-hmm. and so it's like you are just like you're watching i mean an orientation is such a perfect way to introduce the rules of this new mm-hmm. world yep. like you're literally right. taking a character and be like let me show you around but like and even in this instance you're seeing it's like mark not showing her how the chip works no. he's not showing her how the severed floor functions mm-hmm. but she is learning and we're learning with her in how she's just trying to leave yep. and it's just like and none of it's like fully explained like there's no there's no dialogue exposition which is so nice yeah. like that the show trusts the audience enough that we will understand what is going on we're not gonna tell you the rules yeah. we're not gonna tell you we're the gonna rules. show you the rules yeah here are the rules because this, this is television and we should show and not tell I have so many feelings about that, too. Going to treat you like adults that want to be here and watching this. If you don't get it and you don't like it, fucking go watch something else. <laughs> Truly, it's amazing. Go watch Coach with Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> Mrs. Coble, we cut to Mrs. Coble helping explain severance and orientation to yeah, how yeah, yeah. um, Mark is getting a Band-Aid from Mr. Milchik. <laughs> I love that the Band-Aid's also got the blue logo on yeah. it. Like, oh. The Lumen logo. Yeah. Everything is Lumen branded. Yeah. Everything. It's very Dharma-esque. Mrs. Cole addresses Mark down a little bit. <laughs> Are you mad about your disobedience or your incompetence? Yeah. Such and then a her good just, line. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> just, She's perfect. Her line reads are so fascinating. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they're so funny at times, um, but they're perfect. Yeah. Where Where's the emphasis in this line? <sighs> yes. 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 <laughs> I will say one one really fascinating thing that that really like pops out, you know, just in the way that we even talk about this show is that like is you have like Mark, Helly, they're also referred to as like Mark S, mm-hmm. Helly R, mm-hmm. mm. Irv, uh, Irving B, yep. but they referred to as like their first name and their last initial, but all of their superiors are referred to as like Ms. Mr. And, yeah. yeah, Mr. Right, and Ms. Right, right, right. And it really like also sets this weird tone and so it's just it also sets this weird separation between the supervisors and the employees right that you don't understand you're like why is she called heli r like why that's so like and why doesn't mark s become mr scout when he gets promotion like why is a department why is a department chief a supervisor but not high enough to get the honorific as opposed to the first name last initial very true true interesting there's one more part to orientation. Helly receives a video, a little DVD that she needs to watch, and then her orientation will be complete. I wanted it to be like a VHS. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> uh, they return to macro data refinement, and Mr. Milchik pulls out a, a TV cart, like in uh, like in high school. Fuck yeah. And pops in the DVD. So Helly watches a little video that she has made for herself about two hours ago, give or take. And she explains sort of, and this is sort of the expository dialogue. Severance. The severance procedure is not only voluntary, but it is irreversible. Uh, you, Helly, have chosen to do this, and there's no going back. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This is fucking. I think this fuckers up a little bit. 
Yeah, well, she's she looks so happy to be doing it yeah. in the video. Like yeah. she looks like she's so excited, and then now here's this like primal version of herself that has no context, and she's mm-hmm. like mortified. Yeah, she has no memory of making this video, even though it just happened apparently this right. morning. She like, did not give consent. This other version the other of herself did consented yeah, to this process. So yeah, so she's kind of fucking depressed and like spun out whatever. She heads over to her desk, and Mark says this this thing, which is. Again, this is just sort of an extension of that. Every time you find yourself here, it's because you chose to come back. Yeah, that's so fucking interesting. But but Heliar didn't choose to come back. Heliar can't leave. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, that's such a, oh, it's so much to wrap your mind around or minds. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the work day. Mark heads home, heads to the elevator, 515. I love st- that we see inside the elevator. Like, there's no mystery of like, yeah. oh, what happens when he's in the elevator? We just see it. Yeah, it's just an elevator. Just gets yeah. like a quick ice cream brain freeze and he's back in it, you know, yeah. or out of it. And it's like a reverse, and it's the reverse vertigo shot, where like they just do another one, and you literally see like the exhaustion back on his face Mm -hmm. from earlier in the day before he stepped in the elevator, Mm -hmm. and so he's now just exhausted, and then goes home. Exhausted, fucking miserable, like, yeah. He, we also learn another rule of the severed floor is that he gets in his car and, or well, he gets to his car yep. and there is a note on his windshield yep. and he's like, he like opens it and it's a note from Lumen that's like, you were involved in a, in an accident you, you today. Step, you stepped on an overhead projector slide and slipped and hit your head. <laughs> yeah. And tells him and being like, and so then he like feels his face and then like feels the bandaid and is like, oh, and they're like, and here, so uh, we're sorry for this. Here's a gift card for Pips. Pips VIP. <laughs> Pips VIP. Yep. You're a Pips VIP. <laughs> You're a Pips VIP. I'm a Pips VIP. Oh, um, very funny. Um, But he then gets in his car and he starts to drive out of the parking Mm -hmm. lot and he almost hits Heli. And she's like, watch where you're going. The two and they do not recognize each other. Do not recognize each other. And that's when we learn another rule of the severed floor of like, they do not even know they work. That's why they stagger their exits. They stagger their entrances and exits, which is so fucked. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mark drives home. He lives in a subdivision called Baird Creek. Um, I don't think we find this out right this second, but it's a company town. The whole fucking place is owned by Lumen. Right, right, right. Well, it, we can see later that he can, like, see the yeah, office. Yeah, like, it overlooks like, the building, right. like, his house, yeah. Yeah, as he's cleaning out his gutters. I really, I've really seen this Fuck. many fucking times. I gotta clean my gutters this weekend, God damn it! Uh... Man, the perks of renting. <laughs> <sighs> The uh, he, yeah, he comes home, has a beer, um, does some other just like after work shit, you know, watches a little TV. Does he cry again? He probably cries again. Yeah, um, I think he's just getting drunk. Getting drunk. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, first one thing leads to another. Um, yeah, because he drinks <laughs> and then he cries. He like alternates between drinking beer and drinking whiskey. Yeah, but which, you can, which people who are wild don't do. <laughs> yeah, you can just. I thought there was even a bottle of wine in there while he's yeah, watching I do, TV. Yeah, I think he yeah drinks wine but you well. can just tell that he's drinking a lot and he also like watches tv with no lights on yep. and like just like in the dark and you're like this man is broken yep. <laughs> there's something wrong with him that he should probably be seeing a therapist right. about there's a knock at the door his sister arrives to pick him up for a dinner that he forgot about yes his pregnant yes. sister devon yep. um who's delightful played by jen Tullock. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's so good. I'm obsessed with her. She's, I also, I'm obsessed with their dynamic as siblings because sure. they're, they're some of the, like the few siblings on TV that genuinely feel like siblings. Yeah. Like the way right. they, they talk to one another is so genuine. They both have similar childhood trauma that they're <laughs> yeah. aware of the others. Yeah. And they like the way that they also like joke with one another and like talk to each other is just it's so lived in and so comfortable, but also just like very teasing mm. and very fun. Yep, Incredible sibling chemistry. She takes him to not dinner. It's a, it's a, it's a dinner <laughs> it's party. Dinner. It's a dinner party being hosted by her and her husband, Rickon, uh, in which <laughs> no food is served. <laughs> Oh, I didn't quite get that they were married. I was trying to figure that whole situation out. Yeah. I was like, did they? Yeah, Rickon and Devin. Yeah, Rickon is the okay, father of her right, child. I, just, I missed that. Sorry. But yeah, it's so it's Mark and three other couples. 
well, they're friends. Like, I don't think there are other couples. I think they're just friends. Okay. But um, but they're like, I, they're just all like the most insufferable fucking people fuck you've me. ever met. They, <laughs> they're, I, it's like, if it, if they didn't call it not dinner, they'd be like, well, it's a salon where we discuss like the <sighs> most important thing. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking kill somebody <laughs> yeah it's just yeah you guys it's just, just sitting down and talking and you're not having dinner but it's fucking dinner time um <laughs> but, they're, right. but they're also like talking about me like you know not having food here has really like elevated the conversation because we're not focused on the meal itself we're just focused right. on the conversation yeah and it is and it is just like mark is having the worst time right because he, he's like he's like what you're what you're describing is cocktail hour you're, yeah you're, you're describing the hour that we have drinks before we eat dinner and then we eat dinner oh. um so i'm drunk and hungry <laughs> and i have no distractions from all of y'all and i yeah i want to stab all of you to death with my own face yeah <laughs> so insufferable they, they during the conversation at not dinner severance does come up they talk about what mark used to do he used to be a history teacher mm-hmm. um his his uh, late wife used to be a russian literature teacher yeah mark very specifically taught world war one which then they pull out this stupid thing where they're like they're like did you know that they actually thought it was um the great it war. was a faux pas to yeah. call it world war one and so they just referred to it as the great war and mark's like well yeah you wouldn't they, call it world war one because yeah. world war two hadn't happened yeah. yet yeah <laughs> it's the whole reason why die hard is not called die hard one <laughs> right that's what i always call it um well, yeah. <laughs> the thing that I was trying to figure out, I'm like, are they doing this as a joke to just show how insufferable th- these people are? Or is this part of this show's world where, like, the general public has become this dumb? You know what I mean? Like, is this an everybody problem or just these people problem? I think it's a these people problem, yeah, a these to people be honest. Problem. Like, the rest of the outside world in Severance is odd, but yeah. it's not as insufferable as this dinner. Yeah, okay. it's not right. like this. But they're really insufferable. And I think it's really to like prove a point that like this because then they talk start talking about severance yeah. and talking about the severance program and um Rick and outs Mark as a as a lumen man right, um, right, right. who works whose work is so sensitive that he had to have the severance procedure done. Once again, we still don't know what Mark exactly does. We don't no. know what microdata refinement is. Yeah. Something with numbers. Yeah. yeah, something with numbers. But you know, so then that becomes like a see, weird see, conversation. You see, data at a macro level needs to be refined. Well, it looks like he's just playing like a Sudoku puzzle. If you don't refine the data at a macro level. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, they're, but they start talking about severance and, and you, and you learn that it's actually a very controversial procedure because, you know, as we hinted to earlier, it's a very, it's an ethical dilemma. And, and it's currently the subject of congressional hearings. Yeah. They, they do mention that there's the congressional testimony and stuff happening regarding the not only ethical and moral uh, part of severance, but the legality of it. Well, and they're, they're also like, oh, it's a, that's a pharmaceutical company. No, they're like a biotech company. No, they're just like a computer company. Yeah. It's like, they're in it. What aren't they into? You know, yeah, they're everything. Yeah, exactly. they're an everything yeah. company. And so like just like discussing kind of the ethics around it of like, oh, well, the person that works there is just left there. Mm-hmm. And right. so it's like it's like, how does that person feel? And it's like, well, we've already seen how that person will feel. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, some of them are fucking fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are OK with it. And some of them are mad. Um, <laughs> they're big mad that they are yeah. down there. But it's just like it, it is nice that the show also like is like. Like, okay, well, here's this like sci-fi. We we created like a sci-fi thriller, created this technology in our world. And you know what? In the first episode, we're gonna address the ethics of this mm-hmm. and that this is a questionably ethical thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this company is doing, and that's part of the story mm-hmm. is the questionable ethics. That they're just not like, well, this is just like some wacky story where they're right. you, you know, get to the end and it's like, ah, oh, Soylent Green was people. It's like okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's but it's like, you know, I can imagine some people like immediately starting the show and being like <sighs> 
well, this this That's is an, fucked up. This I, is an ethical nightmare. I don't think I could do this, but it's like the show sure. being like, no, 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 it's okay, babe. Yeah. Like we, we know we, it's an ethical yeah. nightmare. Yeah. We've we've we're written not, an ethical nightmare, and we're aware of it. What are we talking? Yeah, about? we're not asking you to choose. We're we're just asking you to be along uh, for the ride. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dinner goes pretty poorly in general. Yeah, we babe. also we also learned that um, Mark's wife died. Yep. Um, yeah. A couple years ago, yeah. and and we also learned that um, from the car ride from Devin picking him up that we're around the anniversary of her death yeah. as well. Right. So yeah. it's a particularly rough time. So we understand like, oh, that's probably why Mark was crying in the car, right? And like, it's like, oh, this man is grieving, yeah, and he is not coping, no, and he is drinking himself to death, yep. um, right. every night, and like, and then coming in hungover and crying in the car. And it's like, he is not doing well, but at least when he's on the severed floor, he can do his job and he is just a completely different person. And it's like, you understand why Mark agreed to be on the severed floor. And, and, And then the unintended consequence of that decision, Audi Mark doesn't remember the eight hours where he was not thinking about being sad. Audi Mark is sad all the time. Now he did the escape that he hoped to get from severance he does not get to experience the escape so his right. day so his day is now just 16 hours of sadness yeah he has he has no memory of forgetting about the sadness <laughs> right right yeah cuz it's not like uh well yeah it's like you know <laughs> called taking a nap in the army time traveling right like you're not <laughs> so you're not actually time traveling right. like your brain's aware of the passage of time it, in some capacity, you're just not getting to like benefit from being unconscious. Right. And it's like the thing is, it's like it's it's so depressing because you see how sad he is in real life and how seemingly successful and good he has at his job when he's the innie, yeah. you know, and it's just like, well, he must understand at some level, like I must be at least competent at this job because I they continue to have me there and yeah. I keep getting a paycheck. But yeah, he doesn't. He's not able to derive any of the joy of it and the time that he gets away from having to think about work, he's not filling with anything else. So he's still just totally unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you you do see a little bit of life in Mark, especially when he talks to Devin. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because like after not dinner, <laughs> they're in the kitchen and Devin's making them a sandwich yeah. to share, yeah. which is very yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's he's drinking from a flask. And he's drinking from a flask, and like she doesn't even comment on it. She's nope. like, "Yep, yeah, that's what he's doing." And so he ends up staying overnight. And like, fuck, his look. Rickon is like truly like one of the comedic reliefs of the show. Yeah. Which like, God bless him. And so they like have him stay in the baby's new room or like the, the room the, for the baby, the nursery slash the nursery. bedroom slash yes. Um, <laughs> right. But they have this whole thing of like of like. You know, well, they're saying that it's actually better to have all of the beds the child will need in its life available to it so that it can make the decision as it, uh, it, it can sort of grow into its new beds at its own pace yeah. and will not have a childhood safe place ever ripped away from them by being forced right. to go from the crib to the race car to from the race car to the regular bed. Yeah, but unfortunately for Mark, the regular bed um, is not ready because um, Rick and his is still making the sheets. Um, And so he now has to sleep in the race car bed. (laughs) <laughs> wait, wait! Did you did you say did you say half the risk or gets to sleep in the race carpet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, it's just so. And then, like, I don't know. Mark and Devin also have this like wonderful little moment when they're like when Rick and Devin are leaving the room, and like, and they just, I don't know. It's like one of those like cute little like sibling moments where like Mark goes to Devin, he goes, uh, "Good night, my lord," and yeah. she goes, "Good night, yeah. my lady." Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like. That's so cute. That is absolutely a sibling bit that yep. they've been doing for years. Mm-hmm. And you just, and it's like, and that to me, it's like those little moments that I'm like, yep. these are siblings. Yep. But that's also, that's, does it serve the plot? No. Does it serve character? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely. We don't, and we, and we don't, the audience don't need it explained to us. It's explained Mm-mm. in the observation. We saw it happen. It's like, oh, that's all that. Yep. That's yep. what it is. That's delightful. And a lot of the scenes, especially with Mark and Devin, no spoilers for the rest of the season, but like as as the plot progresses and things get weirder, shocker, things get weirder in this weird world show. 
that you come to you come to really appreciate that like Devin is one of the few people that Mark can truly trust. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like these moments where it's like they do have these like little lighthearted moments where it's like they are so deeply comfortable with one another that they can tell when something's wrong mm. and they right. can tell when like they they know each other. Yeah. And so he right. trusts her, you know, later with like important information, which he should. Yeah. She is his sister and she is, you know, she's the one that like after the not dinner, they confide in each other of like, God damn it, that was so dumb. Right. That was like, really dumb. <laughs> yeah. She's immediately making him a sandwich. She's yeah. like, I am so sorry. I, so sorry. <laughs> and and they're, and they're able to have this symbiotic relationship without being codependent, too. Like, Mark, mm-hmm. yeah. obviously Mark's life would get worse if he didn't have the relationship, but it wouldn't fall apart in completely by her absence. Like, he would find a right. soldier on. Yeah. And she's she's trying to help him, but yeah. she's not going to try and mother him. Right. Exactly. She's going to yeah. sister him. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. Right. And yeah. some of that is bullying him into coming to terrible dinner. Right. <laughs> I'm yeah. just right. like, I'm just going right. to get you out of your home. This is going to be an awful experience for both of us, but like... But at least you're not sitting in the dark drinking. <laughs> yeah. And instead you're going to be sitting at my house drinking. Yeah. So. <laughs> but while Mark is at their house, yeah. he <laughs> looks out, he like looks out the window and there's just this disheveled businessman. Yep. Standing trying to raise in, you by your car's extended warranty. <laughs> just standing in the yard. And it is like, and he sees him in like the headlights flashing down mm-hmm. the street and then he's gone. Yep. And you're like, oh, hey, nightmares. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, is he hallucinating this man? Right. Is this like something from the severed floor, like breaking through in his brain? Is this just brain leaking on itself? What is happening? Yeah. And then the next morning, he's like, I saw a businessman in your front yard. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Middle management or, or higher? Middle management or higher. So yeah. good. So good. Well, you're up early. Oh, I was just processing the trauma of having my childhood bed taken away from me. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Her being like, you've been sitting on that for a while. <laughs> <It's> like, <"Bleh." laughs> yeah. Real proud of that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mark heads back to his own place. Yeah, cleans his gutters, whatever. Catching his gift card, goes to dinner by himself, heads over to uh, Chips. Pips? Pips. 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 Please yeah. put some respect on it. Because the Pips. VIP section is the only one in there. Which the VIP section is just like a sign that says VIP section. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. literally just part the of the same. Yeah. I went to a strip club once that was like that, where the <laughs> VIP section was just a table with a, a little fucking sign. piece of paper and said VIP section. It yeah. was the grossest place I've ever <laughs> oh, been to. God. Yeah, he's so he's at Pips and he's on the phone with his neighbor who he keeps talking to because she keeps putting her bins on his side and like not remembering like uh, what is recycling. Listen, I what have is a neighbor that does that and I'm ready to commit arson. Okay. You heard it here, folks. Yep. <laughs> if JP's neighbor's God house burns it. down. <laughs> They literally put them so I cannot fit my car in my garage. I literally threw their trash can across the goddamn alleyway once. I was so mad. As as is your right, my neighbor, (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Selvig. You know, you get the impression that she's just this doddering old woman that even you know she's whatever barely right. Yeah, yeah. And he's just got this tedious neighbor that he's got to put up with. And I'm like, man, she would also lead me to drink. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But while he's sitting there on the phone, the disheveled businessman sits down across from him and he says a phrase that Irv said on the severed floor which is hey kids what's What's for for dinner dinner? tells the audience everything we need to know yeah and it's like Mark doesn't know this phrase holy shit and then he even says like hang up the phone Mm -hmm. and like and so Says one of the, uh, sorry, and Mrs. Some, Selvig, I have to go. They've cooked the dinner and now or they cooked the food and now it's here. The level of detail. <laughs> it's such a weird sentence. I just, I can't get over it. It's so funny. It, it tells you, it tells you that Mark has talked to her enough times on the phone to know that if he doesn't explain why he's hanging up, she's just gonna call back. Yes, yes. yes. For me, it's the specific of they've cooked the food they've and cooked the food. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that thing that happens at restaurants. <laughs> they've cooked the food. God. But he hangs up and we find out from, like he learns from PD being like, hi, we work together on the severed floor. And that's where we get the phrase of like, well, how do we know each other? Be like, I'm your best I'm friend. Your best friend. You're, my, You're very my very good, good friend. friend. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Which is also so clearly a joke between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's so fascinating to me that Mark is so, because he's so depressed and he's so wrapped up in his own shit, I get the feeling he contemplates his existence on the severed floor so little that he's never really contemplated that this could happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, this this idea of, like, somebody being like, oh, you know everything about me? Yeah, sure. Like, this has not fucking crossed his mind yeah. once because he does not fucking care. It did not give him the respite he was hoping for, mm-hmm. and now it's just this thing in his life. Well, for all Mark knows, he could be the only employee on the severed floor. Yes. Right? Yeah. He's totally. never seen it. One of his or, coworkers. Or he could be one of thousands. Or he could be one of thousands. Never, and he would never recognize anybody from work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Petey is apparently undone the irreversible severance thing, and he is paranoid that he is being chased by Lumon, specifically somebody named Grainer. Mm-hmm. Grainer could be watching them right now, and so he's like, he gives him a, he gives him the card at dinner, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he gives him a, um, he's like, here, here's a, here's a, this is for you. It's a little greeting card, uh, and then he leaves. Mark reads it in the car. It's <laughs> yeah, happy, happy birthday, niece. Happy birthday, niece. <laughs> like, you would have made an awesome niece. <laughs> you yeah. made an awesome niece. It's very funny. Be like, I had to grab something that was not that was not suspicious, but I think you'd be a pretty awesome niece. Yeah, <laughs> such a good line. Uh, yeah. But it's also like you know, as we were saying with like Audi Mark's relationship with Devin, you can tell that like Petey has that level of joking with any mark mm-hmm. and like because right. we, you know it's like because mark has a sense of humor like mark is funny yeah. like he likes being sarcastic with his friends and joking around totally, and, yeah. and it's like an audi mark really doesn't have oh, that dude, well, because he's, he's soaked, so you know, he's, depressed yeah. and like and still so deep in his grief and like and then any mark he's just he his best friend is gone and so now he's got you know the two insufferable co-workers and then now a very hostile co-worker and he yeah. can't do that right now mm-hmm. and so like we get to see with Petey that oh Mark just his base personality is that he likes to joke around yeah. and that he likes to have these fun in jokes and we just and so we get that with Petey in that moment and it's just so mm-hmm. it's so nice to see that somebody else sees Mark even if that's a different version of Mark mm-hmm. than Mark understands who he is yeah yeah within the card itself pd he he just he gives me the option he's like hey if this interests you there's an address in the back if it doesn't toss the card and never think about it again if you want to find out what's really going on here yeah it's on half loop drive half loop drive Mm. half loop is the title of the second episode second episode yeah mark drives i wonder where they go (laughs) mark drives home the cans are not correct god de- damn dude i got them. so fucking mad when i saw those cans there <laughs> little 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 did you know that this was going to be such a triggering show <laughs> fuck man <laughs> and uh as he, he puts the cans away and he gets ready to go inside but then mrs selvig shouts just oh hey mark sorry about the cans i'm confused and you don't see her face nope and you're like, okay, but that voice sounds sounds oddly like, familiar, oddly and familiar. and not just because we just heard it on the phone, right? But we've heard it somewhere else. Yes, and then we finally we get a reverse shot from Mark's perspective, and Mrs. Selvig is Harmony Cobell, so he's living uh, next to his mm-hmm. super his boss, um, and he does not know. They they hold on her face for so long, and the way she releases her smile is so gradual and takes so long. Where it's like I don't know if she's putting up an act, and and she she knows stuff outside of the severed floor, or if she's just a nutball in real life who would then just continued to stare over at Mark's house. And I was so creeped out and so uneasy by it. And I'm like, dude, this show beats ass. It's so good. Yeah, because like, because Harmony Cobell is um, like on the severed floor is like a hard ass. Like she is right. like so clean cut, cold, like just like there's nothing friendly about her. And Mrs. Selvig is like in like home knits. Like yeah, she's wearing right. like a, a yeah. home knitted hat that's very colorful. And like she's very friendly and like, you know, she's very different. And so you're like, is she also severed? On the severed floor, during Mrs. Coble, Miss Coble's dressing down of Mark, she tells a story about how her, how her mother was an atheist, and she said that the there's a good oh. there's a good thing about hell, and that it's just a figment of uh, a rational human's imagination. The bad thing about it is that humans can usually make things they imagine real. Mrs. Selvig says something to Mark as she's saying goodnight to him that her mother was Catholic, 
and that it took eight hours for the saints to bless the children. That's why they needed to sleep at night. So when Miss Cobell is telling the story about her mother being an atheist, it's like, oh, she has memories of somebody outside of the floor. She must not right, be seven. Right, right. I didn't even think about that. But then here at the end, she tells an entirely different story about her mother, and it just layers the mystery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of Catholic guilt that one mom can lay on a child. So <laughs> this, you is, know. this is correct. Well, I just love that Mark's reaction to both is just like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In both Neat instances, story. he's like, well, I don't get it. He's like, <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> That's neat. I'll, I'll give him some extra time tonight, Mrs. Selby. Oh, I'll man. See you later. Yeah. And he goes inside. And then, yeah, for sure, sure, Arquette has that slowly melting smile. Uh, and then the episode does end. Uh, it's Fuck. so it's so good. And I am fully prepared to talk about the next eight episodes <laughs> after Buckle this. Up. I truly like I cannot express like how much I love this show. I just think that it is I think it is Adam Scott's best work. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. There I cannot like he puts just dramatic performance. So I good. cannot wait for you to see some of his some of his stuff in some of the later episodes. There is a moment where I literally like I've seen it so many times as we've established, and yet I still saw it once and then rewound it and then watched it again yesterday because yeah. I it is so it is so good. And yeah, this was like your twenty seventh time seeing this episode, and it's still <laughs> as yeah. good as it was the first time. This uh, rewatching it for this, this was I think my fourth time seeing mm. the pilot. And sure. yeah, I probably watched it in it's getting close to two years ago that it came out. We're still waiting for season two to to come tra- trampling through. But it's been probably about a year since the last time I watched the pilot. And so like I was seeing, sitting there and seeing these things remembering certain moments and then re-experiencing these moments that I had completely forgotten about. And I was just, I, 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 again, I haven't seen a pilot this complete in all aspects, complete pilot, visually, orally, set design, casting, chemistry, like it, 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 it everything was fire. It, like, I was like, how, how can the show get better from here? And then it does. And then it does. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck, guys? I don't know. It's not that good. I watched Better Off Ted at half speed, and it's about the same thing. <laughs> I was going to say, JP, this is your first time ever seeing the show. How did you feel about it? That was great. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to binge the rest of it. Adam and I talked after I watched it. I'm a big fan of the video game Control, yeah. um, and this has similar vibes, just uh, more firearms. Um, and, in uh, control. In yeah, control. Right. In control. Yeah, yeah. In control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm I'm gonna finish the rest of it hopefully this weekend. So yeah, there it's just yeah it it's there. Oh I just like have no words with like how impressed I am with this show. It, it it's it's so so cool in that it is a workplace comedy. It is a satire. Yeah, it is a, it, it is also a satire. Mm-hmm. It is a genre show. It's a puzzle box. It's blending all of these genres and fucking nailing it. It's a capital M mystery. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons that I also love this show and why I watched it the way that I did is because you will get one, we would get one more episode and they'd be like, what the fuck? And you'd have to go and rewatch the episodes before it because it would answer some questions, but give you like 12 more. And you're like, what in the shit? And it like, and they did such a good job with like the cliffhanger because they also with the whole with the whole season it's because they left so many questions unanswered and so they're like we're not going to give you everything we're going to have enough in our bag for a season two that you're going to want to come back because there's enough questions that you're like what in the fuck was that I, i think that brings me exactly to my my sort of wrapping up thing here that i want to bring up so all of our other lost effect properties sans the prisoner are loosely related to loss Mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. We established the prisoner was like such a groundbreaking thing for the time that we had to talk about it because it clearly influenced Lost. Yeah. Here we are watching another non-Lost property that is clearly heavily influenced by sort of the road that Lost paved. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's so many lessons learned
learn from Lost and then all the mystery box things that have come since. And then we've learned all the lessons and now we get a show like this. Yes. You know, now we get something where it's like, find find a flaw. Tell, tell me what's wrong with the show. Can you? No, because we figured it out. Yeah. They figured out the formula. They did everything right. <laughs> Jack, thank you so much for coming over and taking the time. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I was so jazzed when you texted me and was like, hey, do you want to come talk about Severance? I'm like, oh, I would absolutely love to come talk about Severance. My, like, phone, my phone vibrated so hard when you <laughs> replied. I was like, oh. You could feel my personal <laughs> vibration through the phone. I was like telling everybody, I'm like, I'm so excited to get to talk about Severance on my friend's podcast. <laughs> Just oh my gosh. Oh, it's just so fun. It's always a delight to talk to you guys. Yes. yes. Well, we, yeah. we love you, Jack. We love your energy. We love this fucking show. And uh, for the fans out there that want more Jack Kelly, Jack Kelly, much like James Bond, will return uh, on Lost on Lost. So. Always. I will be yes. back. <laughs> Whether you like um, it or not. <laughs> yeah. Adam, tell the folks at home what the hell are we watching next time? Oh man, like I said at the top, this is the this is the last episode of the Lost Effect. Closing it out big. Coming up in a couple weeks from now, we're gonna be going back to just classic Lost on Lost content. The premiere of season four of Lost episode, the beginning of the end. It's where you find out that Sawyer is pregnant with Jack's baby. Our, and that's the mystery. Our featured character is Hurley. <laughs> I, what? I, I thought it was going to be Jack. I thought Jack was always the, main, the the featured character of the first episode. But our featured character is Hurley. And, uh, and yeah, that's what we're going to be watching. Season four, episode one, the beginning of the end. Well, all right. Start strong. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. All right, Jack. Thank you again. Adam, thank you. Folks at home, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Lost on Lost, The Lost Effect. Thank you, JP. Uh, I'm Adam. I'm JP. Do you have any idea what has been going on the past uh, 10 weeks? No, but I'm scared and horny. 14 weeks. However many weeks this took. So am I. I'm also scared and horny. That's as good a sign off as we've ever done. (laughs) Nailed it. Lost on Lost is produced and edited by me and JP. We wish to acknowledge that we live, work, and produce our show on occupied land. Burbank, California is located on the traditional tribal lands of the Tongva, Chumash, Keech, and Fernandeño Tataviam peoples. Milwaukee, Wisconsin is located on the traditional tribal lands of the Peoria, Potawatomi, Miyama, and Ho-Chunk peoples. And Lost was produced in Hawaii on the lands of the Kanaka Maoli. Visit native-land.ca to learn more about the land you live and work on. You can engage with us on IG, Facebook, and Twitter at Lost on Lost One. You can also email us at wearelostonlost at gmail.com or support us with dollar monies at coffee.com slash wearelostonlost. Thanks to Lostpedia and its community of contributors, Danny Schmitz, Random.org, and as always, you the listeners for tuning in. We're hosted at Podbean. You can hear us there or wherever you get your podcasts, except MySpace. We're, we're not on MySpace. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> So, are you all done pissing there, piss boy? Wow, for now, piss boy.